0: While he was in one of the cities there came a man full of leprosy and when he saw jesus he fell on his face and begged him lord if you will you can make me clean and jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying i will be clean and immediately the leprosy left him and he charged him to tell no one but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, well, good morning. Uh, my name's Mike. Um, can I extend the, the welcomes you've already received? Uh, I, I get the joy of serving here as one of the pastors here at City on a Hill, Brisbane. Uh, I'm going to pray. Uh, I'm going to ask God for, for help for me and help for us as we, as we encounter Jesus through his words. So join with me as I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you're a God that speaks to us. Thank you that through your word you have spoken and you continue to speak Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would illuminate these words and use me to be faithful and helpful for all of us today. I ask that you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to understand. And we pray all this in your name, Jesus, and for your glory. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, imagine uh, this morning uh, you rock up the 10.30 service and you discover... That someone has entered the building with the Delta strain of coronavirus. What would you do? What would you do? The palace barracks suddenly becomes a hotspot, potentially even a super spreader event. What do you do? You, know, you probably go straight home, you know, maybe you hand sanitize everything, have a shower, kind of air out your house, uh, all good things. You know, have some bleach, and then, no, don't, don't actually have some bleach. Um, all good things to do, right? You, know, you go get, t- you get, you get tested. Uh, and then you wait, you wait for those results. Now, how would you feel then if you suddenly realise that people that are also sitting in your row start getting tested and they're positive? Positive's the bad one, right? They're positive, they've got it, they've got it. What would you, how would you be feeling? How would you be feeling? But how would you feel about the person who came into this room and brought Delta strain in? How would you feel towards them? And what if you, you discovered that it was none other than City on a Hill's COVID-safe officer, Stephen Koo? <laughs> you probably wouldn't be rushing to kind of give him a hug and invite him over for dinner. Well, you know, this morning's passage uh, that was just read for us, uh, we're going to meet a man with a disease. Uh, but a disease that is it's more intrusive and ostracizing than COVID-19. One that the Bible actually has multiple chapters written about talking about leprosy. And as Dave said, we're, we're in a series, week three of a series called Encounter, looking at people that Jesus meets in the Gospel of Luke. Luke, uh, The Gospel of Luke is one of four biographies of Jesus we have in the Bible. And Luke, he wrote it, he's a doctor, and he, he investigated basically what happened in Jesus' life. He got commissioned, he got paid a bunch of money to go and do that, and he talked to some of the eyewitnesses of Jesus. And his, in his account, we see more people, actually more people that Jesus meets than any other gospel. And in fact, Luke's so excited about all the people that meet Jesus, he ends up writing a sequel, part two, which is called The Book of Acts, also written by Luke. But Luke in particular, he's fascinated by, um, by stories that would have rocked his medical world, like healings. He's also fascinated by meeting, Jesus meeting people that would have been considered outcasts. If you come with me to chapter 4, if you have a Bible, uh, open it up. If you don't own a Bible, I'd love to give you one. Come see our team at the info desk. Open up with me to chapter 4, which is just a little bit before what was just read for us. Uh, chapter 4, just setting up the context. If you were with us last week, uh, we saw Jesus meeting Satan, meeting the devil, uh, being tested out in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted out there. And then we see this first public moment of Jesus' teaching as recorded in the book of Luke. So come with me to Luke chapter 4. Um, I'll just read from verse 17. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to Jesus, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. So he gets out this scroll. This is kind of before you know they had bounded books like this. And so the books of the Bible were written on each individual scrolls. He gets the one Isaiah is given to him. He finds, he knows Isaiah pretty well. He finds this place, and, he, uh, and this is what he says. Uh, he says, "...the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor." He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And then he rolls up the scroll. All the eyes are looking at Jesus. He's in the synagogue. It's kind of like the Jewish version of church. Everyone's looking at him. Jesus, he's pinpointed that moment. What's he going to say? He says... This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The one who this is talking about 700 years before, the prophet Isaiah, it's actually talking about me, Jesus says. He's saying, I am the promised Messiah, the promised King that you're waiting for. This mission is actually my mission, to proclaim good news, which is actually the word gospel. That's what the word gospel means, good news to the poor. Now, when we read poor here, it's broader than just kind of financial poor. It's more than just those who don't have much coin. But it's talking about those who are pitied, uh, those who are looked down upon in society, often those who are spiritually poor. And in chapter 5, we meet a bunch of these people. We, we meet the, the man with leprosy, which we'll see. And then just immediately after that, we'll see a guy who's paralyzed. Uh, and then thirdly, we'll, they'll see in Luke 5, uh, a guy is a tax collector, who actually probably is doing okay financially, but in the eyes of the community, he was considered poor. And Jesus' mission is to proclaim good news to those who are spiritually bankrupt. He doesn't just use words, but uses his actions as well to live out the message of the gospel. And in particular this morning, we'll we'll focus on the man with leprosy. And so we're going to learn three things about Jesus this morning. First one, that Jesus enters into our infected world. First point, Jesus enters into our infected world. Now check out verse 12, back in chapter 5 now. Um, now, while he was, Jesus was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. He's a man that Dr. Luke describes as full or literally abounding with leprosy. Now, the word leprosy, it, it's a broad term. Um, and if you have a Bible, you might have a footnote like mine does. It says, my footnote says, leprosy was a term for several skin diseases, see Leviticus 13. So leprosy, it doesn't just talk about the the disease that we know as leprosy today, Hansen's disease, but it's broader than that. Uh, In fact, um, one commentator, Daryl Bach, he says it could refer to any skin disease such as lupus, ringworm, favus, psoriasis, or of course, leprosy. Now these words might not mean too much to you today, and like to be honest, like last 18 months, we've sort of forgotten about most diseases, right? We are sort of focused on one disease at the moment, COVID-19, of course. But let me just paint a picture of, of, of leprosy, Hansen's disease. It, it's still a disease that occurs today. Um, kind of medical historians think it sort of originated around Egypt, Middle East, um, thousands of years ago, even before Jesus. And um, Dr. Paul Brand, he was a, a famous doctor. Uh, specialist in the area of lepr- leprosy uh, in the 20th century, um, he describes it as um, what can happen is that people lose their sensation in their hands and feet. They're able to touch fire and even walk on glass without feeling pain. Um, and while treating people in India, he tells uh, one story. Uh, it's a little bit gross. <laughs> he tells one story of, um, of a boy who's a 10-year-old boy. He's, he's with him and he goes to a door. The door's locked. The boy's like, don't worry, I've got this. Uh, the boy gets his finger, jams it in the door. His skin is like bleeding. He's basically using the bone to open up the door and he, so he can just go through. And then the doctor's like, what? Paul's like, well, wow, that's, that's amazing. It's sore it and it, it's like nothing occurred to him. Leprosy, it like really affects you. It affects your skin, your extremities in particular. It's horrible, Right. Um, you, and back then, and even today, you'd be looked down upon in the community. You know, in many ways, it's comparable to, to HIV, um, except it's got a more obvious deformation, a more obvious physical deformity. So go back to, with me to Luke 5. You know, here's a guy we see who has leprosy. We, we don't know his name. I'm just going to call him Liam, so I don't have to keep saying the man with leprosy, the man with leprosy. Sorry if your name's Liam. <laughs> I don't think we have too many Liams here, but if your name's Liam, welcome to sit down on a hill. Um, good news for you. You get to meet Jesus this morning. Um, but uh, I'm just going to call him Liam. So Liam, he's got a skin disease. We don't know exactly what it is. But what we do know is that he is considered unclean. In Leviticus chapter 13, there's a whole, whole chapter actually talking about leprosy and, and even the next chapter as well. Uh, come with me to uh, be on the screen. Uh, verse 45, this is how sort of the protocol works for those who have leprosy. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes, let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Someone's infected with this. They go outside, you know, sort of into quarantine. But they have to talk about themselves unclean, unclean. Just a couple of uh, things to say about that. Firstly, it's important to know that whenever we see the words clean and unclean in the Bible, we shouldn't immediately jump to sort of a moral judgment it's not necessarily talking about sin, about kind of right and wrong, good and bad. Um, it's important to know that in the Old Testament, uh, God had a whole bunch of laws um, about clean and unclean. And part of it was Israel, God's people, they were, they were to live a certain way. They were to live a way that was separate, that was unique to the rest of the world, so that they could be a blessing to all nations. They could be a light to the world. Um, for instance, right, they couldn't eat bacon. What a tragedy what a tragedy, not because it's morally wrong to eat pig, I might even argue the opposite, but uh, you know, having slow-cooked pork for, for lunch, it's kind of cooking right now, I'm keen for that. But, um, but True story, but, but God, he had a law of, of clean and unclean to show him what he's like, to show him that he is separate, that he is different, that he is so other, that he is, the Bible uses the word, holy. Now, for Christians, we don't have to follow these clean and unclean laws because Jesus has made these things clean. In Jesus, we can come to him and we come to him, worship him freely in spirit and truth. And so we're not under these laws in the same way that people before Jesus were Israel. But leprosy, right? Um, the clean, unclean thing, there's, there's some logic to it. Remember, this is before modern medicine. There's a very real threat with someone with leprosy that they can be infectious in the community. It's highly contagious, and the effects, they would stay with you and be debilitating for life. In fact, rabbis, who were the Jewish teachers at the time, that they would make a law to kind of stay 1.5 meters away from people with leprosy. Sound familiar? And in fact, even more than that, if the wind was blowing in the way, they would make that like 20 meters. It would be a big deal. But here's the thing. God has a special place for even people with leprosy. He loves them. They're fearfully and wonderfully made in His image. Now, other ancient cultures would would often kill, torture, or castrate people with leprosy. But God honors life. You know, there's protocols uh, about how they are to be restored and reconciled and be brought back into community. So back to Liam. He's in this state of desperation. He doesn't have things that he can turn to, uh, like Centrelink and Medicare. Check out Luke 5 verse 12 again. Uh, Look what happens. He saw Jesus. He fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. In Jesus, he sees a glimmer of hope. Jesus, as we can read about in Luke 4, he'd been getting this reputation as, as a healer. People had come to him. Crowds had come to him. Uh, we can read about this if you've got a Bible. Luke 4, 40, uh, what happens? Now, when the sun was sitting, setting, all, who had all, sorry, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought, him, brought them to him, brought them to Jesus, and Jesus laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. So, so Liam, when he sees Jesus, the healer, he falls on his face. That's a moment of worship. He bows down to Jesus. He calls him Lord, realizes that there's something powerful about him, realizes that he's in the presence of someone bigger and more powerful than himself. He might not have joined all the dots yet, or that he's the son of God, but he knows something. And he knows that through Jesus... Um, he's his only hope of vitality and of health and life. So what does he do? He begs. He's a guy who was probably used to begging you know, before Social Security. He, he probably begged to, to kind of make a living, to, to survive. But this time he's not begging for money. He's begging to be made clean. But his issue, it's more than just a health issue, as significant as the health issue is. He wants to be clean. What does that mean? He wants acceptance. He wants to be welcomed back into community. He wants to be able, able to function as a member of society. And ultimately, he wants to be right with God. Notice there's, there's also a great humility that, that Liam says. He says, if you will, Lord, if you will, do something about this as an aside, that's a great model for prayer. Come to Jesus on his terms, Lord, if you will, not on our terms. But what does Jesus do? Well, check out, keep reading with me, check out chapter 5, verse 13. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. Jesus, he reaches out in compassion, crosses over a barrier. He doesn't social distance and he prioritizes love even over the law that was set up by the Pharisees about social distancing and things like that. We get this, right? You know, we've been sort of avoiding hugs and handshakes and things like that for the last 18 months. But here we see King Jesus, the Son of God, reaching down, touching the untouchable. There was a missionary in the 19th century, a guy from Belgium called Joseph de Voister, and he went to Hawaii. I've been to Hawaii before. It's a beautiful place. But he went there not because he loved the beach. He loved surfing and kind of tropical fruit. But no, he went there because actually at the time Hawaii was experiencing an epidemic of leprosy. And uh, in fact, what they did is that they kind of established a leper colony on the island of Molokai. And what they did is they kind of sent all the people, kind of quarantined all the people from across the Hawaiian islands to this particular part of the island of Molokai. And Joseph, he, he wanted to go there. Um, and actually, he, he said to, to kind of the, the people that were sending him, he's like, I want to stay here. He kind of fought tooth and nail to stay there, and ended up staying there for 16 years, which was, took him to the end of his life. And now, over that time, he kind of helped establish a church, care for the sick. He personally built 2,000 coffins so that people there could die with dignity. And one day, he was having a bath, and he, he accidentally poured boiling hot water on his foot, and he didn't feel anything, and so he it on his other foot, and again, he didn't feel anything. He realized that at that point, he had become one of them. He'd become leprous. He'd always begin his sermons by saying, my fellow believers, but this morning, he, he the next morning he preached, he, he began by saying, my fellow lepers. He wasn't just helping them, he was one of them. We lepers, he would say. After he died, just um, 49, he, uh, his body was sent back to Belgium. And the people of Molokai, they, they fought, they, they, they argued that we, we want a piece of him. We actually want a, something to be remembered by, a tangible sign to remember about the man who reached out to us. And so what they did is that they, they cut off his arm and they sent that back to Molokai and they buried his arm. And there's a place there that you can go and see today, remembering him. Uh, the hand that was cut off that reached out in love, crossing cultural barriers uh, and touched these people with leprosy. But Jesus, we see something even more significant. We see Jesus, the Son of God, come into the world, bending down and touching the infected, crossing these boundaries because of love. And even more than that, He wasn't just helping us, He became one of us. This is incredible that the God of the universe became human. No other worldview has this. In fact, this idea that that Christians believe that that it's called the incarnation, God becoming flesh, it's it's mocked. I've got a Muslim mate who who thinks this is ridiculous that that Jesus would become a human, that the Son of God can be a human. Like That that, that kind of blows his mind. It is ridiculous, if you think about it, that, that God would become one of us. I mean, look at us, right? Like, that's incredible, but this is who Jesus is, full of love and compassion, humbling himself, getting down and dirty with people that no one wanted to hang out with because of love. Now some of us here this morning, we, this morning, we feel ashamed of who we are. We feel lonely. We feel rejected. Maybe it's stuff that's happened to our past. Maybe it's stuff that's happening to us. Right now, stuff that that we have done that we're not even proud enough to even think about ourselves, let alone bring before others or God. Friends, I've got some good news for you. Jesus has a message for you this morning. He loves you, He knows you, He's come down to earth for you, He's reaching out to you, He wants a relationship with you, He died on the cross for you, He's crossed these barriers out of love, because He wants you to be reconciled with God, His Father. For those of you who already know Jesus, I know that's a bunch of you, be be encouraged. Jesus is our King. This is who He is. He loves the least in society, and He loves you. And we get to walk following Him, being imitators of His love, not because we need to kind of climb a ladder to earn His favor. He's already given us that undeserved gift and so, friends, let's imitate Jesus. You know, don't be an idiot. Like, you know, you probably don't have the gift of COVID healing. Like, probably. Um, you know, like, be wise. But, but don't let some social barriers that we kind of stick up, cut, cut ourselves off from people. You know, do you let barriers and, and thing, excuses get in the way of loving people like Christ loved others? A few weeks ago, uh, we had our, our vision night uh, uh, here, or it was a couple months ago now, we had our vision night here. And uh, one of the things we talked about, um, our strategic priority is to, uh, to be um, on about mercy, uh, to be on about mercy, loving those um, who society doesn't love, who are low in society, and in particular, the homeless. And, and so we've got um, you know, initiative, kind of giving breakfast to the homeless and reaching out to the homeless. And Stephen Koo was talking about that. Um, COVID Kooey, same guy, you know, I'll redeem him. Um, but but as he was talking about, I sort of felt convicted, like I was not convicted, I felt like thinking, um, well, you know, like I, I don't really interact with homeless, like I'm not really seeing them, there aren't really that many of them, and I, look, I was a bit apathetic if, if I'm honest. Do you know what happened? I, I crossed the road to my car afterwards, and there, I've never seen this before on Petrie Terrace, but I just saw a guy sleeping rough there. And I was just thinking, oh, what, what do I do here? Like, how do I... Like, oh, I did nothing. I went back to my car and um, yeah, drove home. End of the story. Like, what do I do? How do, I, how do we love people that are, that are different? And there's a whole bunch of ways we can do that. And, and I was just making excuses in my heart at that point. But, you know, God, it gives us opportunities to love people. Just two days ago, uh, I was in the park a couple of hours up from my house. And I go there often. And um, I was there with my girls. And I see, I see a young lady who's sitting on the bench by herself. And she's got headphones on. And what does it mean if someone's got headphones on, right? Like, they don't want you to talk to them, right? That's what society says. But I could tell, I could tell something was up with her. I just sensed that, man, that there is something up with her. Her face, I could just tell. I, just, I was like, do I go to her? Do I, what do I do? I picked up my daughter and I just said, hey, like, are you okay? Are you okay? She took off her headphones and just told me a bunch of her story. She was a broken person. She's had a lot of stuff going on, which I won't share now. But I got to pray with her. Uh, I called my wife, kind of, who was, we live just around the corner. And she just came down, Sarah. She came down and she spent heaps of time with her. She's amazing. Um, she got connected. They've been texting each other. Um, Sarah's been praying for her uh, more than that. And, and it's a, an opportunity there for the gospel. And, and she just said to Sarah, thank you so much for what you've done. You've given me hope. God, He puts people in our life. Um, I wonder who God is putting in your life this week. Uh, maybe it's someone at work. Uh, maybe it's someone that you went to uni or school with. Maybe it's someone that you live near. Uh, maybe it's someone on the street. Maybe even it's someone online uh, that you've had, are able to have an interaction with. Who is God placing? Let's keep our eyes open. Who's God placing in our life that we can be imitators of Christ and reach out within love. You know, we've just had, are you okay day? We've sort of got permission to kind of ask people, are you okay? And hopefully we do that more than just one day a year. But can I encourage you at church to, someone asks, how are you going? To, to say, how are you going? To don't just say, oh yeah, good, pretty busy. Um, but actually to take off the mask, to allow people into your life. If you're struggling, uh, if you want prayer, if you need help, come, come chat to us. Come chat to the team at InfoDesk. We'd love to support you if there's anything we can do practically for you. But friends, let's be vulnerable. Let's allow our community of brothers and sisters here that God has given us uh, to, to speak love and to, to serve each other practically um, in our lives. So Jesus, he, infect, he enters into our infected world. But secondly, we see that Jesus has authority to heal. Jesus has authority to heal. Come with me, Luke 5, verse 13. Jesus, he stretches, out, sorry, Jesus stretches out his hand and touches him, saying, I will be clean. Liam, he's begged, he's begged Jesus, are you willing? And he says, yes, I am willing. He reaches out, crosses this boundary. And what does Luke say? He says, immediately, Dr. Luke says, immediately, the leprosy left him. There's no kind of hocus-pocus chanting. There's no kind of complicated medical procedure going on. Boom, leprosy left him. Jesus has authority there at that point. Then he keeps going, verse 14. He says, and he charged him to tell no one about this, but go show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded, as a proof for them. See, Jesus, he's not afraid of, of religious conflict. Um, we'll kind of see that later on in Luke's gospel. But what he's doing here, he's upholding the standard of the law. You know, In the Old Testament, in Leviticus um, 14, there's a whole chapter about um, how people, the procedures and protocols of how people can be reconciled back into community, what it means for someone to have this cleansing moment. Um, and so what would happen is the priest, uh, they would sort of inspect the person who, who claims that they're now clean, they're now healed. Um, and what they would do is make sure that there are no, no signs of, of the leprosy, the skin diseases. They'd take a couple of, he'd take a couple of birds, uh, he would sacrifice one, uh, set the other one free, they'd have a week of isolation, then on the eighth day, they'd do another sacrifice again. And, um, and this whole process of sacrificing and the blood would be like washing and things like that, 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 that symbolizes... A spiritual washing, actually, that Jesus came about to do. The the cleansing of sin. And Jesus, he follows this protocol. He shows that he came not to abolish the law, but actually to fulfill it. And last week we saw Jesus uh, being tempted. Uh, Remember, that's what he's doing. He's being the new Israel. He's being what Israel couldn't do in the wilderness. um, Being tempted for 40 years. Jesus was tempted for 40 days by Satan, but overcame temptation and... um, And so what he's doing here is he's showing his authority over sickness and obedience to the law. And if we just stop and contemplate his authority for a moment, we can read all throughout Luke's gospel and even the other gospels as well. Jesus, time and time again, he's healing people. Uh, In fact, there's kind of secular sources that claim that talk about Jesus was was known of as, as a healer. Um, It's not just a one-off thing. Um, It happens all throughout the Gospels. And Jesus has authority over every disease. Jesus, if we come to Jesus, he's got authority over cancer, authority over COVID, authority over depression, even authority over death. Jesus here is giving us a glimpse of what the kingdom is like in heaven There'll be no more of this, no more sickness or disability or mental health challenges. If you trust in Jesus, He will heal you. He doesn't promise healing in this life, though. You know, Paul, um, the Apostle Paul, he wrote nearly half the, the New Testament. Uh, he, he prayed a prayer once in, in, in great faith. Actually, he prayed it multiple times, but he, he prayed a prayer of healing. He describes uh, this condition he had like a thorn in the flesh. You think if anyone can be healed, it's probably the guy that wrote the Bible. Like he's probably up there with kind of having pretty good faith, right? Pretty good walk with God. But check out what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. Paul says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I'll boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power may rest. Upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Jesus doesn't promise us healing in this life, but if we trust in Him, we will get a new body. Jesus is making all things new. That's what our series Encounters on about. That when people encounter Jesus, they have this hope that He is making all things new. In heaven, there'll be no more sickness or pain. We can come to Jesus, casting our burdens on Him. As Jesus has entered this infected world, He's got authority to heal. But there's something even more significant than that. Thirdly, final point, Jesus' plans are bigger than healing. Jesus had been going from town to town and and healing people, but when crowds gather, what happens multiple times in Luke's gospel he retreats. His mission is more than just healing the sick, clearing out hospitals and bringing good news here on earth. Check out verse 43. Of, I'll go back to chapter 4. Um, check out verse 43. And after he, he kind of left them, um, he, said to, 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 he said to the people that came to him, he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. Jesus, he was sent it's where we get the word missionary from. He was sent to preach. You know, when, when missionaries go overseas, they might do incredibly good work in the community. They might build hospitals. They might um, build orphanages, um, purify water. All really good stuff. All really important things to do, to love the poor. All things that, that Christians uh, should have a heart for. And whether that's directly or, or kind of behind the scenes, support those things. But you know the best missionary work, the only missionary work that truly lasts is the one that follows in Jesus' footsteps in preaching the gospel. That's why I love Compassion. Uh, Compassion, I love the, the fact that their slogan is releasing people from poverty, raising children from poverty in Jesus' name. That's why we're, um, Sarah and I, we're keen to, to take up Dave's challenge of, of you know, writing. Like we've been slack, we've been sponsoring um, a guy, Fionn, for years, and look, our communication's been shoddy, but we're convicted. We want to communicate and love him and just encourage him in the gospel. Jesus' kingdom, it's, it's eternal. And so that's why Jesus doesn't just do a bunch of things, but he proclaims truth that is, is on about eternity, pointing people to the eternal kingdom of God. That's not just hope for this life, but hope for eternity. So if you come back with me to Luke 5, verse 14, what does Jesus say to Liam? He says, um, He charged him to tell no one. Why does he do that? You know, Jesus says, like my mission is to kind of go preach, spread the word. Why does he then tell them to shut up? Well, what happens, um, if you just keep reading, do you think how they think he goes with that? Verse 15, But now... Even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. See, Jesus got a bigger plan. He tells him to shut up. He clearly doesn't. And more and more people start to hear, hear about him. And, and Jesus gets all these kind of fans and, and all these people that just want to, want to come and see this miracle healer. Not that that's a bad thing, but Jesus has more important mission to proclaim good news, lasting news, eternal news. If, and So what happens? How does Jesus respond? How does he be obedient to, to God? Well, what happens? He, verse 16, he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. As people come, gather, he withdraws to pray. Now, what's going on there? He, he's not just kind of being an introvert, having some me time. No, no, Jesus, he's on about God's mission. And so he retreats to pray, to seek God and seek him first. And what's God's plan? Well, as we kind of keep reading uh, Luke's gospel, we see that. And there's this great moment. Uh, if you come with me to Luke 9, 51, halfway through your Bible, uh, halfway, through your Bible halfway through Luke's gospel, uh, we see this turning point. And there's an incredible verse that, that divides Luke's gospel to his identity and to his mission. Kind of who, who, Luke, who Jesus is, we see ultimately is, is his mission in Luke 9:51, And the second half of Luke flows out from that. Luke 9:51 says this when the days drew near for him to be taken up he set his face to go to Jerusalem What's going on there the days are drawing near for Jesus for his life to be taken up for him to be up on the cross and so what does he do he he literally does a yui and starts walking turning his face his posture towards Jerusalem which would mark of course his death death on the cross That's that's God's plan for Jesus, not to just be a miracle worker, but to actually go to the cross. See, on the cross, that's where hope for humanity truly lies. Luke 19 verse 10 says, For even the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came to seek and save the lost. Jesus, He enters into our infected world, but ultimately, the healing He's on about is, is far bigger than just a physical healing. Uh, I won't talk about as much now, but in but, um, the next passage just after, um, after Luke 5.16, we meet another guy, a, par- a paralyzed man. And uh, what happens is Jesus is teaching. There's a crowded house. People can't get in. So so, Jesus, so this guy, um, he has a couple of mates, and he's lowered down through the roof. Uh, it kind of makes a bit of a scene. And um, what happens? Jesus, he's the healer, right? So you expect him to, to heal him. But no, the first thing that Jesus does to him, says to him, is says, Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. He does that because he wants people to see, actually, there's a deeper need. He's he's performing a deeper spiritual diagnosis. He's looking at the heart. The heart, that's that's the heart of the problem, is the problem of the human heart. That's our biggest need, our heart which is turned away from God. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so this guy, this paralyzed guy, even though he's got obvious deformity, he's got a bigger need. You've got a bigger need, and that's the problem of sin. Check out this verse. What does Jesus do? How does he enter into this? Well, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I love this verse. It just sums up the gospel beautifully. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For our sake, God made him, that's Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that, at, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus comes down from the throne of heaven, became sin. What does that mean? It doesn't mean he 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 started sinning um, to kind of be more relatable. No, no, we see that he 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 was tempted and yet did not sin. But what what happens? He he took on sin, he became this sin offering. On the cross, it's kind of what not, what's known as the great swap, that, that our sin gets dumped on Jesus, that Jesus takes upon our sin, and Jesus' righteousness gets dumped upon us, and so that we can rock up to heaven with Jesus' resume, not our own. It's called the great swap. It's as though our kind of exam papers are swapped. Incredible news that, that we can have the right standing before God, not off our own back, but because of what God has done in jesus it's an incredible riches to rag story of what jesus has done and so that's why jesus withdrew when he was healing people because he had a bigger plan he was following god's plan and so he stopped and he prayed how's your prayer life going if i were to record your prayers what would it tell me about your mission in life whose mission would it be you know, I'm preaching to myself here. Um, you know, I even shared this with a couple of people in GC in gospel communities this week. Um, but yeah, like I'd love prayer that I can be more prayerful. Uh, I'd love to be more devoted to prayer. But whose mission are you on? If you're not praying, what does that mean about your relationship with God's mission? Are you really on God's mission? I say this not to guilt you. This is not Pastor Mike kind of trying to you know, beam down upon you. We're saved by grace. But God has graciously invited us to be part of His mission. As I invite the band up, uh, let, me, uh, let me ask you this though. Do you know Jesus? Not just kind of know about Him, not just know some of the facts and the, the teachings of Jesus and be able to quote a few Bible verses, but do you know Him? Do you have a relationship with Him? Friends, we see in Luke's Gospel, this is Jesus who, who crosses boundaries of love in love. He reaches out to the infected. He becomes a sin offering for you and for I. This is Jesus who has the authority to heal, but his plans are bigger than healing. He ultimately wants to heal us from our sin, making us right with God. Do you know him? You might be new to to kind of the things of Jesus. You might be new to church. You might be returning from a season in the wilderness. We're so glad you're here. You've probably got a million questions, and that's amazing. We'd love to kind of chat with you and engage with you. You might have some doubts. Come to Jesus. Come to us with doubts. That's great. We love that you're here. But friends, Jesus, He's offering friendship to you this morning. He wants you to have an encounter with Him today. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray to that end, that we would know Jesus, know Him, who He is, what He's done, and why He's worth it. Join with me, church. Let's stand. And we'll pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for who he is in his love and compassion, reaching out to those that the world deems as lowly. And thank you for reaching out to us who are lowly in your sight. We thank you that you don't just give us empty words, but you have power to heal and change the world as you have been doing. We thank you, though, that you know that our deepest need is to be right with you. I pray that all of us here would know and believe that and and have confidence that in Jesus we can have true freedom, true purpose, true hope. May we know you, not just know about you, but have an intimate and imitating relationship with you, Lord Jesus. And we pray this all in your name. Amen.